Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Will Corona Pilgrim, author of The Godfather Tarot. The Godfather Tarot is a beautifully illustrated, highly giftable deck that comes with a full-color, 96-page companion book that profiles key characters and events from the saga and pairs them with featured cards, along with providing a basic introduction to tarot reading. Whether you're looking to add a unique deck to your collection or you're a fan of the films, the Godfather Tarot deck is a must-have addition. You know, we're coming up on that time of year where we start thinking about our loved ones and what gifts to get them. And as a movie lover, I know I can be an incredible pain in the ass to buy for. I can think of at least five times offhand where my wife has purchased me a movie or a box set of movies and I already owned them. Uh, I can't blame her for that. When you own a ridiculous number of movies like I do, um, it's easy to overlook something. So this is the type of gift that film fans will absolutely love. I had a great time chatting with Will and had a great time checking out the deck. It's uh, currently available in stores. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Hey, Will. How are you today? I'm doing well. Nice to put a face to the voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for uh, taking time to do this, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Are we, are we go for launch? I don't know. Oh, yeah. We just, I just kind of go right into it. Oh, I, I apologize. <laughs> oh, no worries. Please. Yeah. It's um, the first thing I was struck by when I looked at this because I was excited by the possibility of a Godfather tarot deck. Right. Um, just what could that possibly mean? I've never owned a tarot deck before. I had my tarot cards yeah. read one time at a Renaissance <laughs> fair, I think like 20 years ago, something like that. So it's not something that I have a ton of exposure, but I was just floored by the artwork and the writing behind this right away. I'm wondering what attracted you to this project and how did this come into your hands? I, it's funny. I was just thinking about that before I signed on. I was like, wow, man, it's been such a journey for this project because I, I, I'm the same as you. I've, ne- I've actually never had my tarot written or read. So it's just kind of like, oh, this is, this is fun. Like, this is a cool idea. But I think it, what was interesting to me is we were talking – Originally, we were talking. With, uh, I was talking with Becker and Mayer, our Quarto group, the publishers, and they were saying, "Oh, we're trying to do this thing about um, gangsters. Like, we're trying to do this gangster book. We want to celebrate uh, film and gangster." And and Godfather was a component of that. And they're just like, "Oh, do you you know are you a fan of Godfather? Are you, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're a dumb question, but it's just like, yeah, no, are you familiar with it? Are you are you a fan of it? It's like, yes, yes, yes. Like, uh, where do I sign? Um, and and then as we the the world turned, as it were, you know, uh, the pandemic and and everything, it, what became something more? Pardon me, sorry about that. Um, what became more interesting to me was that the publisher Delia and I would, or the edit, sorry, the editor or the publisher, she was one or or both or synonymous. We were talking about the archetypes of the Godfather, and just how you know each of these characters are just so mythic to to so uh, just not only this generation but how many generations before. Sure. So we was looking for that, like what's that entry point to to telling that story? And we say, oh, could we do a, an archetype book, like really just like really deep dig into the mythic and the pathos of, of each of characters and see how they stand alone. Uh, and, and Paramount said, no. <laughs> and then, so we said, Oh, well, that's a bummer. Okay. Well, well, we'll try again. And then we started working on what became what we called the, the Godfather, the family album, which is the family Corleone, which is what, what is in, 
in the book with the Godfather Tarot. And because of my relationship with um, properties before having worked at Marvel and like really like skimming a lot of uh, narrative for like what we call a canon, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, of course. it wasn't like, Oh, take everything you know about Godfather and smash it all together. It's nothing like that. They were like, okay, it's the films. We want to celebrate the films. So I said, great. I'm really good at that. <laughs> I love uh, dissecting films and dissecting character. So we were doing that and we started um, creating what was what we called the family Corleone album. And we were just trying to put all this uh, like, love and care as if this was a family heirloom like an in-world family heirloom to be passed on at one of the uh at one of the meetings like or as one of the family get-togethers that's just something they were going through so at the beginning and the onset we weren't even looking really at the uh the quote-unquote villains of the story, like the, the the antagonist families or anything sure. like that. We knew they knew we knew they were going to play into it. We were going to talk about like the timeline, but we were being very soft about it. Just like oh, let's let's just we'll mention that you know the five families were at war and la la la. But let's pretend it's more about a family heirloom. And then, as I said, the world kind of turned, and they said, okay, look uh we have to kind of combine this with another project we've been working on and it's a tarot deck and they said are you comfortable with that i said yeah i mean i have no reservations but how do you mean i was like do i do i need to learn how to do tarot and she said no 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 well we've done these books we, we know everything we're gonna we're not we know everything but we're well researched we know how to apply it and we actually have the art would you like to see the art and then they as you said they send the artwork and they go well i mean it's kind of that you had me at hello. Yeah. It's, I, you know, the cliche is they gave me the offer I couldn't refuse, but it was the, it was really beautiful artwork and styling and, and, and really um, just modern looking for a film that's been rebrushed and re I'm a big fan of like gallery 1988 and all these Mondo shows and they, all these wonderful artisans have done. How many times have we seen great art inspired by this trilogy? So it was really fresh to see this again. Like, Oh, it's new. It's not like, Oh, I've seen this a thousand times or I've seen it on one of the packaging on, on, on one of the, 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 the many iterations of the tapes or the DVDs or any of that. It was like, this is actually something fresh and they're putting my stuff in it. So it's like, oh, of course I wanted, I was on board. I was happy to do it. And then we just had to expand it from there and, and actually make it a more traditional. Okay. But we need, to now write a little bit more we need to get into the stories of all the other players not just the family so i think it was just it added a little more work but worth it in the long run kind of a situation so kind of a bizarre it, it was a little stutter starting which you probably hear a lot lately as the last two years have been but um absolutely worth it i'm very happy with the result i mean i'm, I'm holding it right here you can see me yeah but, uh, yeah I have, for the uh, listeners i have the the, the deck and the deck itself right here yeah. and the the artwork in this thing to I mean it is it's simply beautiful and and the idea of this being that kind of mondo the sort of what is your impression of it as opposed to what's an actual image of it what's the feeling of it and I think exactly. you really did a great job of capturing and, and that was not me that was that was all well, no the writing as well oh yes. I, I think both Thank of you. these as a companion piece they both capture the feeling the mood the essence of it in in a way that is just goes hand in hand and if anything um, after going through this, I, these are movies that have just been a part of my DNA since I was a child, but I really realized that I need to go back and revisit these again. I picked up the 4K set a couple months ago, but I haven't gotten does that back have into the new, it. Does it have the new version of... It um, does. It has Coda. Coda. I yeah. haven't. I haven't seen Coda, to be honest. Like, we were, like, I think we were 95% through this. 
at the time. And I said, oh, oh no, do I, what do you want to do here? Like, should I be revisiting it? Like, do, how do we want to approach it? We said, just, they said, just hold the line. <laughs> just, yeah. You've done wonderful work. It's not, it's not going to impact it in a way that's like, again, because I take this stuff seriously. It's canon. Like what I wanted to feel truthful to the films, but as far as I've gleaned from what I read, it wasn't impacted. Uh, the impact of Coda does not affect the book. Nor does it sour any relationship you might have to to the series. In fact, that, that's the danger in any Coppola project, though, doing something that you're going to try to be canonical. Adhere with to it. it. He's yeah. going <laughs> to remix it any day. That's what so. I mean. It's like even the making of have gone through a thousand different iterations. Yeah. So you kinda, as a filmmaker, you just kind of laugh because that's the that's making it in the edit and making and he's he's notorious and really and he's yeah, that's where a lot of the genius comes in too. You just like look how you can revisit the same thing many different ways and i know part three gets a lot of like gets lambasted a lot uh and personally i i was one of those people in it but even knowing i had never walked or watched it complete i'd only seen snippets i'd seen oh really things. i had not seen it complete before this project let me say that so i wow. i was how old are you Old enough. <laughs> old enough, I, I should have well, known better. I'm like, 46. I, I, that's the only reason no, I, I say it. I, because I'm, I'm 38 going on 30. Okay. But I, yeah, because this came out in high school for me. So. so, yeah, I mean, I was more in the uh, tapes and DVD era. And I, was, I, I literally watched the first two because I was home and my wisdom teeth had been pulled out uh, in early college. And, as a, and I had a close friend who was honestly uh, working for Bob Evans at the time. So he's like, you have to watch wow. this. And, I, and, you know, I knew who Bob Evans was and of, course. of his impact on, on the film industry, of course, being film school, they, you, you learn all this stuff, but I wanted to appreciate the, the movies on their own merit and nothing like being clonked out on, uh, on painkillers and just getting washed over by this opera. You know, you're hearing the Buena Sarah's speech and you're just like, I feel like I'm there. Yeah. So it catches you. I mean, and everyone uh, that I've ever talked to about the film with any like seriousness has said how much that from they get you from the word go. Like you're just sitting there listening to this speech about how he loves America and how he wants justice. You're just like, I, I, I've been transported to another world. And, and there's only so many films that do that these days. But I mean, it, the fact that it can still do that. And I, this was when I first watched it, I mean, decades ago now, but walking through them again and actually showing them to my wife for the first time, showing the first one to my wife and her going, oh, I can I can see why you enjoy these films. Yeah. Like it's, it's you don't feel like, oh, you know, it, they're a little old, but you, you don't have to give any preface. You should say, I said, I'm working on this project. I'm going to watch them anyway. You're free to watch with me. And she said, and she said, these are really great. Like this is, this is actually really great. Yeah. I mean, uh, how many generations can't be wrong on it's, like, but there's how that, captivating that it, they are and, and continue to be. Oh yeah. But it's just, it's one of those things where some films, they can feel like homework if you've never seen them before. Yes. If it's, if it's past a certain time, if it's before you were there, if it's a part of pop culture and you just hear that it's, Watch the Godfather trilogy can become that. I could imagine that if you're 25, 35 years old and you've never seen these films before, and you look at, you feel like I missed the boat. Like it's like, yeah. you know, I don't want to. And it's like, I, and I had, I had gone through like the AFI list, and it felt like that. Like everyone's just like, oh, you have, you have. To. I've heard so many times, you have to, you have to about different movies. And of course, Godfather was on that list. But you know, then you watch, and I didn't want to watch it in snippets. I didn't want to watch just like pieces of it in a film class. I wanted to 
hear what everyone was talking about. So I was thankful that the only time I ever watched it was in its, at least the first two were complete. I had never seen really scenes. I'd heard it quoted my entire life, of course, but I'd never sat through it uh, to enjoy it on its own merit. I think that's why it was hard for me to step into part three, because at the time people were just saying like, oh, forget about three. Like, you don't, you don't need you don't need to see it. And I had seen that scene, the excerpt on the steps at the end. And it's like, oh, I understand the shots and I understand what we're trying to say. But until you watch it, obviously, you get the uh, full emotion of of what what happens to Michael and what, what happens. to And when he came out and said, I'm going to call it Coda, like it all kind of crystallized for me at that point where it's just like, this is it is it isn't a trilogy. It is and it isn't a trilogy. It's a trilogy by packaging standards, but it's really just if you look at them all as one story, then you get into those arguments of, oh, part two is better than part one. And it's like that's not that's not what the intent was with this story. And I think um Coppola knew that, but people who sell movies and people who who write them out movies seldom treat it as just like it's just the godfather story like just the whole thing enjoy enjoy the story guys but it's hard because you know movies come out years apart and especially these ones came out many years apart and it was hard to um to divorce the selling of the movie from the from the movie itself let alone i have yet to watch the offer too to be honest i'm like i'm so behind and on my godfather stuff right now (laughs) I was like, oh, I wrote the the tarot. I should be done now, right? That's now it. Now it's really homework. <laughs> yeah, but well, the part three, I think it had a huge disadvantage right out of the gate. Where two of the greatest films of all time, arguably, I mean, whatever that list is, you know, if it's a top thirty, top fifty, top one hundred, both of those are going to be in there usually. Um, yeah, and um, so. The, the depending on your taste, you where you is where you put two or one. There's arguments to be made on that, but part three, I think, if it existed as its own thing without the legacy of those other films, it would have been considered a really good movie. Is it just how Agreed. do you make one of the greatest films three times in a row? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just it's just not. It possible. just kept it kept stacking the deck against itself, which was you know womp womp. There's a little tarot deck joke in there somewhere, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they could have read the cards, they would have been fine. There you go. Um, but yeah, I think I, I I cannot agree more. Like I think yeah. that if you have you come uh, around on the film at all now that you've seen it all the way through, what do you what are your thoughts on it? Just out of curiosity. Uh-huh. I now again I I haven't watched the Coda version so I right. I'm just speaking to the version that was released before that which is on this other whatever they call it, the Godfather trilogy Blu-ray yep. um, and I felt it was a strong film I felt it did suffer some of the 90s nineties-ness of how films were made which yep. you know we can only all laugh at and look at in the rear view but you know it's like these are movies that were told in the past like they were they were all period films and I felt that that essence was a lot stronger in the first two especially when you get to, i'm one of my favorite decades to watch on film of the 20s so that's why i really enjoyed number two just yeah. from a production design standpoint i was fun to, to be transported back there but knowing that the 90s film you know part three was set in the 70s which is when yeah. the first films were made it's almost like they either went away from that a bit or they didn't they didn't feel like capturing the uh the essence of what that era would have been which is odd considering who made the movie you know you feel yeah. like coppola of of being that front runner of the you know the film generation and all those the, that whole troop that we all talk about ad nauseum like you, you, there seemed to be like a real creative uh, advantage to like really diving in and saying like what what if you like shot it as if it was back there but i feel like that that kind of conversation didn't start showing up till a decade later but those the first two godfather films did not look like they were made in the 70s um no that's 
Exactly. <laughs> and so, but, then, but part three looks like it was made in the 90s, which uh, is well, bizarre to me. <laughs> but the movies in the 70s, I love them, but they kind of look like shit, a lot of them. <laughs> the film stock at that point in time was not great. You're in that post-Technicolor era where everything oh, just got oh, really grainy and dirty. Storytelling especially got Especially the indie. Yeah, the indie scene and everyone using the, the cameras that weren't the big studio cameras were, were, you know, you get the easy writers, you get all these really fascinating handhelds, which mm-hmm. is, again, Godfather does that. <laughs> it's like Godfather, the first Godfather is, is the whole wedding reception you're going this is someone who was in that scene but got the bigger toys to play with so it's in it and it benefit I, again it's lightning in a bottle you can't i don't oh, judge yeah. i don't i don't knock part three for that but again it's hard not to look at it as part of this uh duology or trilogy or what what where it plays in it but calling it like a coda as it were and again coming from uh from a marvel life of thinking where a coda is just like this afterthought this <laughs> joke uh, yeah. Obviously, this was told as like a, a last piece of a, of a character's story, which was it's just horribly tragic, and and you know, which as it probably always should have been in a classical sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. If he gets the girl in the end, if he gets all the good stuff, like how, what does that say about us as, as as people watching it? So there's a lot of fun ways to dissect part three, but seeing the rise of um, of the of the nephew character and, and having the Andy Garcia. You know, buying Andy Garcia as an Italian character is, is still kind of a stretch. I, I still have trouble watching, was it Son, Son of Sam and, and seeing John Leguizamo as an Italian. So you're just kind of like, God, I'm not even Italian, but I'm, this is fucking me. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm having trouble br- rectifying this in my casting brain, but I'm going to go with it. And I think that, that that's like an energy, though, that Leguizamo brings to that in that role. I, it's, not, it's not a look. There's an energy that he brings to that. To, to many one. roles. Like, yes. Like, he's a very and understated you, and person. I think <laughs> that you, you either are on board for that, and I'm actually a fan. I, he's like one of those things. He's like uh, Ghost Peppers, though. It's it's a spice okay. you have to use very precisely, exactly. or you're really going to screw up the recipe. Like you can be just here in Romeo and Juliet, but we can't have you as Romeo because you just set the whole thing on fire. Uh, he was exactly, very, but perfect in that role. Perfect in that role. <laughs> he's like, this is a character you want to feel that way about, and yeah, he does. I mean, I, I have nothing but. Uh, positive things on most of his career but, but we digress <laughs> of course that's kind of what i seem to do mostly but i'm wondering how you ended up moving from marvel which is the the fans of marvel are probably the only people they'd be um more critical than fans of film in general and so film fans can be the film Twitter world can be pretty rough on things. And they have very, <laughs> their, their yeah. opinions are religion, you know, that that's yeah. where they live. In. And I think the through diehard hot fans, <laughs> clickbait word, there was Twitter at all. So well, yeah, for <laughs> if, sure. if that's what we're going for, it's uh, not reality. No, yeah, no, it is. It is a invented uh, existence at this point. Um, so did that that had to prepare you on some level? I'm assuming. For I want to say with... yes. I, okay. I, I, I just only because it it had a, my work with Marvel was research and it was in it was research and development. So it, it means that I was kind of uh, indoctrinated with an approach. And it was an approach I was developing and inventing for myself for what I needed to you know adapt comic material and help the the, the story development team adapt that into film uh and then 
uh, ironically, of reverse engineer it when we wanted to do tie-in comics. So it was like, okay, now we have the films and they're the baselines. And now if we go tie those in, how do you go backwards? So when it was coming to The Godfather, those were kind of my, my starting questions. Like, do you need me to read the books? Do you need me to cross-compare the series? And I was going to, I was planning to read them at some point in my life. I was just kind of, my dad is a huge fan of the books and I, and he had them. I was just said, um, you know, I'm willing to do that. And, and they said, no, no, they, they, we really want to keep it film related. We just want to keep the content confined, which was fine for me after coming from, you know, how many countless hours of Marvel footage and, and, and movies that you had to contain in this finite timeline. This was, you know, give or take nine or 10 hours of, of lines of dialogue that I would, I would always use the, um, the final dialogue scripts that the subtitles would use uh, in the Marvel process. Cause I said, what is, what is read or what is seen? Like, what, what can someone turn on their subtitles and say, mm. that's legitimately part of this movie versus what's inferred and what are you, what are you trying to get? You know, and that's kind of the in-between in the sutures. And, and that's the stuff you get to play with when you want to tell original stories in a, in a fictional universe. But for the Godfather, I wanted it to feel like, someone who lived in this world was, was writing these events. And, and for some of the characters, I think it's still there um, on the, in their, in their biographies where it's that kind of a tone of, it's almost like a reverence. Like it's, it's like, I yeah. think, especially for, for, for the big, the big dog, you know, you know, the Marlon uh, Vito. And he's, it was like, almost like, let's write it as if someone who loved him, but almost a nod to who he was behind yeah. the scenes as the, as the, as the crime family, but it's really just celebrating the family. And that's what goes back to the title. We wanted to call it the family Corleone. And it was just like, can we, can we retain some of that? I was glad they left that. They didn't want me to edit that much. So I was, I was, I was very happy because that took a lot of work trying to, to tell just this, let's tell a story of an immigrant who rose through the American dream and, and who built a business and who, who was the, you know, the, the patriarch of his family and, and held things together as best as he could, you know, considering the situation he was in and, the, you know, everyone knew the situation, but we weren't going to talk about that in the story in the, in the, uh, in the in-world book. And I think I'm, I'm digressing horribly. I'm trying to remember where we started here. But well, the, I, I think we were talking about um, kind of not needing to, use the books and these other materials as a template for it. I, it was, it was nice. Cause I even, you know, uh, Puzo's writing of the film made that complicated. Cause you're like, okay, so do you lean one way or the other? It's like, who's going to, I think it's, you ask that kind of simple question, who dictates Canon and does it yeah. matter? You know, at the time it was, did it matter? And, and there's, a, and you have to do that every situation. That's kind of the lens you keep bringing it up. Who's dictating Canon. Does it matter? Does it apply to this scenario? And at the time, it was just like, no, it's family album. We're gonna, we want to dive into the archives. If there's anything to pull that we're we're clear to use, we'd love to use them. Which that was a treat, getting to see behind the scenes, you know, stills that, and the Paramount archive. I was in it just for that. Oh, <laughs> it's like, of course, it's like I got to see some pictures that probably won't ever see the light of day, and the ones that have you've probably seen them so many times that you've gone burned into your mem your memory but it was fun to see these you know these candidates that you only get when you're on set or you only get when you're a part of one of this process like if you're part of a filmmaking process in any which way if it's doing a book based on the film or if you're you're doing uh, as you're doing like journalism with with uh with anything that you're promoting sometimes they'll send you those epk kits and you get to see stuff that you, that everyone gets to see but it's still nice and I thought that was uh, that was a kick just to be able to to see all all the the world as it was back then. 
There's, there's almost, um, for me personally, I feel like my desire to see those things um, and going to film school, doing all these things, it's kind of taken away a little bit of the magic trick that yes. film exists in. And <laughs> as I, we talk about tarot, this is perfect. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's just, I, there's a part of me that wishes I could just simply have a much more pure experience and just put something on, enjoy it and not think about things in a critical way and not break this down and try to think about what was happening at the time and how the, how does this tie in? And, you know, you go through those EPK see enough pictures and it can create an atmosphere of feeling and emotion behind it. And they're yeah. doing their job. Those are good publicists. They're doing that. But yeah, just... They're trying to get you to feel that magic again. Yeah. No, I, I my wife is famous for saying I've ruined movies for her. <laughs> no, it's like, Same it's, you have a conversation where you're, you're watching something and she's like, so who directed this? Oh, why am I even asking? <laughs> you know, cause you're like, yeah, I, I watch the credits. I, I know some of these people I like to yeah. credits. I like to know, what's going on and i've studied some i've worked with others and you're in the, the biz long enough you just like it starts feeling like a little circle of, of people oh um, yeah and you have peers that you start to see you have people that you know yeah. the people that i for when i first got into this that are starting to move into that the next stage and beyond of their careers and you see people just starting to like one of my first interview was with aaron and justin the the guys who are doing the new low-key show now yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, Benson and Moorhead and th those guys. And it's just the, to no, see they, that rise. The elevation, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just like doing these really weird indie films that were so, that they were doing everything for directing, writing, special effects, editing, you know, starring in half these things. Absolutely. And just to see them elevate like that, it's just incredible to see. And these are just, it's that part of it is just really fun when you stick around for a little while and you can see people that you've known for a minute just kind of grow. It's, it's really fun. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, it's it's it's, just, it's kind of like a class. Like you're just like it's just like a graduating class that you're all kind of part of and part and parcel of in, in this bizarre ass industry that is that is entertainment. But yeah. Find yourself um the one thing that I and this is the last digression, I promise. Um, do you find yourself in a place where the people that are about the same age as you, you feel like just immediately there's no sort of intimidation there at all, but um, when I meet people who were on TV or doing films when I was in yeah. high school or earlier, there's this weirdness that I can't get my head around, but I'm just floored. like a starstruck, like, yeah. like being a truck. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think a lot of that was kind of burned out of me just because <laughs> of how professional I had to be and how the course conduct, uh, between the people I was around and, and, and especially the, the, the A-list, the A-list talent that you just end up being on set nearby and you have to conduct yourself professionally and, and, and try not to be floored uh, while at the same time, you know, there's that part of you that goes, if my nine-year-old self could hear what I'm doing right now, uh, I think, I think it's one of those kind of you're living two lives. It's like, it's the Schrodinger's experience of, of working in the industry. Cause you want to work. They say, don't meet your heroes, but you want to You want to work with your heroes, especially in this business. Um, and I think there, there's probably a short, my list gets shorter as to who would probably rattle me like, mm -hmm. like that, especially if it was unexpected, like, oh, here, I wanted to introduce you to this person, boom. And you're just, you're just knocked out meeting any of these people. But, um, 
I do feel it. I've been cauterized <laughs> in many ways and not in a jaded way. It's it's not to be like, oh, I have, I know I'm so blessed. I'm it's so Hollywood. I'm not trying it to happens. be like, I'm not trying to be prissy about it. I'm just saying there, there's a professionalism front. You have to just be really, it's not about being thick skinned or, or, or tender hearted. It's nothing about that. It's just about knowing that again, everyone's people it's yes everyone's human but there is that yeah but these people were like legends like there's certain people that you have you said like and coming from a generation like ours where you're watching films and these people are like 60 feet high like yeah. they are there's kind of like the, i think there's a, a speech in the majestic where he talks like that like he's like these were our, these were our gods and it's just, like, that's an it, underrated movie i feel it, like. it's, it's one of the, the forgotten darren bond movie that that monologue still holds true for film lovers i think it, you could probably post that in a theater because that was the he, he was speaking to like the lemley idealism yeah. of like you got to put gold in the hallways you got to make this place like a circus on steroids like just this is like you are coming the temple and it's as sacrilegious as it sounded and but it's it's just he knew they knew what they were doing they were building hollywood into this myth that people still come from, to drink the water like still come towards the mirage that is yeah yeah it's still there's there's so much that still retains of that um especially even even to younger generations uh, i think it just it's part of it that's going to be the last thing to flame out uh from the industry is that that myth that again, going back to what holds true um, to these kind of stories that that are reflecting human experience, like the Godfather, uh, and and anything like that, it, it does. It all comes back around, like to this conversation. We're just like there. There's archetypes and there's and there's stories that we are all going to relate to. At least most of us will relate to at every and every which turn. Something that I that I didn't pick up on in the Godfather until. Probably the last time I rewatched the films, which was how much I actually related to it in a lot of ways as a dad. Um, this idea, oh of yes, what you can provide for your children versus what you had, how you were raised, and all of us have this desire to give more to our children than what we had growing up, and in doing so, we can actually damn our children in some way. And I think that the things that Vito did to his family actually destroyed them rather than empowered or helped them. Yeah, it's that um, the cruel irony of of the path. Where you're just like, I want to give them the best thing in life. Yeah, but you're going about it the wrong way, or you're not. You know, you're doing it the way you know, or that you're that you're capable of doing. But then, by trying to keep Michael protected, you you basically you know cursed his life. And it's just like the curse of the father story, straight up of of what what happened to poor Michael. Let alone Sonny and 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 just these characters that. And 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 of and Fredo for that matter. Like when you when you go back to the the way that Coppola was talking about, it's a book about a father with three sons. It's like yeah, yeah it's just told in a really captivating way. That's <laughs> just, it. You know, you could tell this in a very indie movie. Like this is you know, here's this. You could tell the same story today, change the names a little bit, and just kind of like take those archetypes. And I think that's what Billy and I were talking about when we're talking about this. It's so archetypal. It's so it's so primal of the the family, and then of course the the young lovers who are like, well, I don't, I'm not going to be my father. I'm totally. He says the line, "I'm not my father." Like, like you're just like that's. There are sons who know how this feels, where you're just feeling like I I'm going to be some. I'm going to pave my own way, and then it's just the world and and family and loyalty and circumstances. Like, just it is 
what what a masterpiece right <laughs> like we can just say like wow hey good for you hey you, you guys ever see this movie it's called the godfather it's pretty good <laughs> uh, that's the thing nothing it's new to say about how good it is it's just um yeah it, the it, just, it remains good it remains one of the you know the the staples like it remains one of those things that yeah i can see why you would study this in film school if you're trying to understand story or if you're trying to understand not just from a craft like just like just look at what story can do and what this can bring out and then what's cool about it especially on these blu-rays of seeing how much um the italian american community just uh, like just adopted it and just said like finally finally representation it's nice to see that you know only how many decades later we're starting to see more movies try that for other ethnicities which is yeah. lovely <laughs> let's make we could do more we could do more we could do it faster but that's another digression we'll save for another day um but it it was you know, you forget and everybody forgets because we, I mean, I wasn't alive when this movie came out. So it was, it was nice to see that reflected at least in the, in the special features where they're talking to people who were there and saying like, it was, it was like walk lines across this around the street. Yeah. To see this, to support this endeavor. Well, so it's what, not, the, what a you story. Mean, you mentioned the idea of studying this as a way to learn how to do something. Um, you know, you study this in film school. I feel like that, that, graduate level stuff that you're working on at oh, that yeah, point. Man. Yeah. You know, you, you really should probably start with some of those uh 90s indie stuff where oh. you're just really just kind of throw, throwing it up on sticks and kind of letting some people talk and using what you had for resources. Cause if you set the bar that high, man, you might not what do you follow it with? Yeah. What do you, no, but I I do I know it's funny you say that the 90s stuff because uh one of my classes was Scorsese and Spike Lee like what was that was the title it was like Scorsese sure. and, Spike Lee. and just looking at those two um and obviously uh, Godfather came up because of, of the Italian American and, and, and mm-hmm. we didn't study Godfather in that class that was a different class do time. the right thing that but, uh, sure. do the right thing yeah, yeah. but the, just following that kind of template and I thought that was a fascinating way a fascinating way to um engage in a very different conversation which was saying like just like how different uh, race and experiences and and upbringings and how that reflected in the art. Yet look at the similarities, look at the differences, and then cross comparing. And it was just like this is that was obviously that was one of my higher level classes, and I was happy to have built up to that after taking all those those other films. As you say, like I'll do the easier ones before that, but having the right vocabulary and and understanding of story to to move to that next level, to, to, to join into the subtext conversation and, and just the, let alone the impact conversation. It was, um, I do agree that it's like, there's, there's like, how do you build up to the Godfather conversation? But it's not how yeah. do you, it's how do you have all this crazy ass knowledge that you and I are throwing back and forth? How do you have just enough of that so that when you start looking at the godfather not just purely as entertainment but as as what it could do and what it can do well and continues to do well you can articulate that in a in a critical theory and some you know critical theory is just such a dinosaur concept anymore with with this divide between audiences and critics but it it still doesn't it doesn't take away I, I honestly how much it, it's it's important <laughs> i think that's the critics fault though um cr- critical writing got really bad for a really long time there's always been people doing good work but it just got to a point where critics bought into the hype around being flown to places and yeah. you would just you could feel that and you would have like 
and people needing to rewrite something six months later because of how wrong their take was on something, which is just, I mean, it happened with Paul and Kale, happened with the best of them. They would revisit things and see it differently, but I don't feel the sense of film history and critical writing anymore. No, I agree. I, I, I 100% agree to that. And I think, as you say, they they bought into their own myth and they bought in, they drank their own Kool-Aid. Or, and I think it just kind of created that, it just really fortified that that sense of gatekeeping, which is honestly like the opposite you want to be doing. And I'm not, not saying like, let's make all films super democratic. Everyone's got a voice. Let's make it, let's just get everyone's opinion. Then you're doing like market research. Yeah, no. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just suggesting that it'd be nice if, if everyone kind of went at it with the same expectations, like I'm going to watch a film because I'm a critical theorist and I, I just, I want to enjoy it, but I also want to, I, I'll say if I enjoy it or I'll say if I can applaud it for its own merit. And I think those are the kind of critics that are few and far between anymore. To exist on both levels at the same time. Yeah, um, but instead of just audience score, critics score, I think the critics no, score from the critic, it needs the to critic say, itself. Yeah. yeah, just like this is something that absolutely works as a disposable piece of art. This is something that has, doesn't have a lot of depth to it. This is it's falling in line with this particular type of film that's been around since the beginning of film. By the way, this is nothing new. These, uh, you know, not everything was an art film right out of the jump. So I mean, these exactly. things existed. It's always been a mass market appeal it's always been something that was for the most people and your film needs to work to me on both levels where audiences have to like it i agree with that on as an industry i I agree with that like as a like as a business strategy but you also forget you know the the beginnings of filmmaking were were experimental like they were just like we got this new toy let's see what let's take it out let's see what it can do and i'm we run the risk of always making it to impress or always making it for the audience. I'm with you. Like I, as an entertainer, like the, I think it was uh Rainey who, who like a million years ago when he was making Spider-Man said, um, as an artist, I have to please myself as an entertainer. I have to please others. Like, so it's like, if you can, and because films cost as much as they do to make and they take as many people as they do. And it's, it's, it's a, to their a horrible discredit if you're knowingly making schlock and everyone around you doesn't. <laughs> like if you're going like, oh, I, I'm taking the paycheck. Didn't you know? Like, come on. It's, it's, if it's schlock, you believe it. And if it's, it's your schlock, taste, you believe it. Or you if it's want, schlock or you that want you personally to love, then... Because yeah. as someone who loves all kinds of films, like I would understand. It's like I took this job because they would let me play and play in a genre that is over the top and insane. I wasn't trying to make, you know, The Godfather. I was trying to make something. I'm not even going to name a movie because I would get called out on it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's allowing artists to kind of scratch that itch and, um, and really just uh, for, you know, have fun with their taste. But at the same time, experiment. And I feel like the experimentation is is moving just more into oh now we have phones and now we can do it shorter and bite sizes and I, I that's cool i'm hoping that some of that will translate back into the longer narratives because i think we've oh. gone two completely different ways here's a television everything is a television series everything's a television series or mini series or everything's tiktok we have these radical divides of, of time and i sometimes my wife and i are just like isn't there just a good movie we can watch like i'd love to really just dive into a, a two hour and be done and enjoy it. And it's, yeah. it's really, it, we're watching it. It's, it's happening right in front of us, Chris. Like we're, we're watching the industry happen right now. It's, uh, I, I think that it's not as dire as some people think it is because of those things that you're talking about where, yeah, there's people that are getting really good at short, concise storytelling. There's people that those 
13-year-old kids that are playing around on TikTok, they're experimenting with storytelling. They understand Absolutely. they understand editing. They understand uh, presentation by far. And they can do it any- a lot younger than we could. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Which is great. That is good. That's the best thing to happen, I think. And- I think it's... I think when everyone writes each other off, it's just as bad as any other political conversation you have right now. It's like, oh, we're all just talking, no one's listening. Great. But there's some, but there's some great lessons, as you say. Sorry, I, I cut you off. Oh no, 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 no. It's it's just the um it's kind of like you fall if you fall in love with a medium, uh, which I have, I have a very specific medium that I love. Um these mediums are no, have never been permanent since the beginning of oral history, since we started telling stories to each other, you know, and we started, then we started writing them down. We started painting on walls and, you know, we started um, actually mass printing and then we started radio shows and then we had television then we had film. It just goes and goes and goes and keeps changing. And now we have, everybody has on the phone. Everyone has a way to get the the media. You have access to all of the world's information at all times, just in your pocket. So, of course, the mediums are going to start to change when you have that kind of technological leap. And I'm, I have a lot more faith that 20 years from now, we're just going to see some radical shifts that are things that we don't even know that we oh, can't even see. God, I hope so. 30 years. Yeah. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're, if we're stagnant for 30 years, I'm out. <laughs> Dude, but I, I, we're almost, the thing's going to chop oh, us off here real up. quick. But th- Will, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I really appreciate it. Sorry, I wasn't more focused on it. I The thing <laughs> is, this inspired me to rewatch The Godfather again. I, I'm working my way towards CODA, and that will be happening soon. And anything that does that is a worthy endeavor to me. Absolutely. Let me know how it is, how, how all of it is when the re- on the rewatch. And then make sure to read the Katero as you're doing it. I've been looking through it. I mean, I, that, that was one of the things that's, I put on Godfather one, I had the book out and I was looking through the character thing. That's what actually got me to put it on was looking through your character descriptions. I was like, Saza, man, I need to get to that. I haven't seen that in forever. So, and the, and the novelty market exists because it's, you know, it, not only does it celebrate the things we love, it it kicks us back to them. And that's why, that's why I enjoy it. I really enjoy books like these. These are the things that I would buy as I'm walking out of a bookstore. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck, give me hope.
always crack.